Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're enjoying your day as I'm as much as I am currently right now. And I hope you enjoy this podcast in the making as much as I've enjoyed being able to do some research on it. First today, guys, we're going to be talking about Netflix. Netflix is back in the news again from CNBC. And I think we need to be able to get into more in-depth details about what they're talking about. As in my personal opinion, I think they're trying to fool the average investor to invest back into Netflix. Then we're also going to be talking about Apple and how apparently they don't have as bad as supply chain issues. But is it coming from Apple or is it coming from another company from this time currently? Then we're going to be talking about Joe Biden and the bill that they just recently sent on the package that has gone to Ukraine, about $700 million worth of equipment for the Ukraine effort war against Russia. Then finally, we're going to talk about the jobs market and how it apparently remains hot. But what Jamie Dimon is also saying that his company is currently doing right now at Chase Bank. With that being said, guys, as we always begin with these podcasts, I have to remind you that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. If you are making financial decisions, please go talk to your financial advisor before making any decisions as they understand your financial situation a lot better than I do. Please don't take any financial advice from me as this is for news and entertainment purposes only for this podcast. With that being said, guys, let's begin today's podcast. Okay. First article, like we talked about from CNBC, Netflix and rivals enter pivotal second act of streaming wars saga. Okay. This is one thing I don't fully get is they keep making this push. Okay. With this same article headline, it says Netflix fall from grace has ushered in a pivotal second act. Okay. According to the article, the media entertainment industry prides itself on its mastery of classical storytelling, three acts, the setup, the conflict, and the resolution. It's safe to declare that the first act of the streaming video wars is over. Barring a surprise late entrant, every major media and technology company that wants to be streaming has that wants to be in the streaming game has planted a flag. Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, Paramount, Peacock, and other new streaming services are spreading around the globe. Quote, Act One was a land grab phase, said Chris uh, Mar Mar. Morangi, a media investor and portfolio manager at, at Gamaco Investors. Okay. Last month, the central conflict of the streaming wars came into focus. The industry was thrust into turmoil after Netflix disclosed its first quarterly drop in subscribers in more than a decade and warned subscriber losses would continue in the near term. The news set off worries about streaming futures and, the ca- and cast doubt on whether the growing number of platforms could become profitable. At stake are the valuations of the world's largest media entertainment companies, Disney, Comcast, Netflix, and Warner Brothers Discovery, and the tens of billions of dollars being spent each year on new original streaming content. As recent as October, Netflix, whose hit series Stranger Things returned Friday, had a market, had a market capitalization of more than $30 billion, topping Disney's at $290 billion. But its shares are down 67% from the start of the year, slashing the company's worth to about around 86 billion legacy media companies that follow netflix lead and and pivoted to streaming videos have suffered too disney shares are among the worst performing stocks in the dow jones industries this year down 30 percent that's even though series such as the book of boba fett and moon knight helped disney plus add 20 million subscribers in the past two quarters and along with the highly anticipated obi-wan kenobi premiered on friday warner brothers discovery and hbo and hbo max service also added 12.8 million subscribers over the past year, bringing total subscri- subscribers to 76.8 million globally. 
but shares are down more than 20% since the company's stock began trading in April following the merger of Warner Media and Discovery. Nobody knows whether streaming's final act will reveal a path of profitability or which players might emerge dominant. Not that long ago, the formula for streaming success seemed straightforward. Add subscribers, see stock prices climb, but Netflix's shocking freefall has forced executives to rethink their next move. Okay, and then we'll then we got to read this quote too. Quote: The pandemic created a boom with all the new subscribers effectively. Uh, effectively stuck at home and now a bust said michael nathanson a moffat nathanson media analysis now all these companies need to make a decision do you keep chasing netflix around the globe or do you stop the fight okay this is one thing i don't fully get okay that was the platform back in the day which is oh if subscribers growth is growing therefore this company is worth more because people are spending more on entertainment which i guess that can work in the past because it meant people were using their money and they were going to keep getting their subscription renewed okay pretty straightforward business model now the streaming wars are actually coming to i guess ahead to the point to where if you don't provide content this is what's going to be your downfall okay and this is one thing I don't fully get, okay? Netflix, to me, is pretty much a dead streaming service in the making, okay? Besides Stranger Things, what else do they have to offer currently? They still don't have anything to offer. I mean, it would, to be honest, guys, I haven't watched Netflix in pretty much over a year, maybe two. Don't see the point of watching Netflix. I mean, it's just ridiculous, I mean, the other thing too is if you think about it, Disney makes a lot of their money too from the parks. And that's something they didn't mention at the beginning of this article was the fact that Disney lost a lot of their, I guess, share price value based off the parks as well. And I think because of the Florida bill that had passed too for Disney to have to pay more in taxes. So, I mean, it says here, Disney said last year it would spend $33 billion on content in 2022, while Comcast CEO Brian Ru- Roberts pledged $3 billion for NBC Universal Peacock this year and $5 billion for streaming services in 2023. The efforts aren't profitable yet and losses are piling up. Disney reported an operating loss of $887 million related to streaming services this past quarter. Widening on a loss of $290 million a year ago, Comcast has estimated Peacock would lose $2.5 billion this year after losing $1.7 billion in 2021. And then it's talking about when these companies could potentially become quote unquote profitable, which there's not thinking is going to be till later down the line. Okay. And it says here that there could be more deals in the making says consolidation, another prospect given the growing number of players um, trying for viewers as it stands, Amazon prime video, Apple TV plus Disney plus HBO max discovery plus Netflix, Paramount plus and Peacock all have global ambitions as profit streaming services. Later on, it talks about even too, like there's going to be advertising hopes maybe. And which, I mean, it says here, some bullish investors hope new ads support streaming subscriptions that cost less will help find new customers. Disney is planning to launch a new ad laden Disney plus later this year. Netflix also shocked the media world by announcing its plans to launch an advertising supported service after years of refusing to consider commercials. I mean, the whole purpose of streaming was to avoid commercials in general. And some people tell me like, oh, I would want to avoid commercials as much as possible. But it, it's still, I mean, I, I don't know how you can 
survive in this without content. That's what it boils down to at the end of the day. I mean, you can get as as many advertisers as you want on your on your platform, but unless you provide the content, it's not going to be any good. I mean, think about it this way. Tom Cruise just released a new movie. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It's going to come to me later. But at least he, around this weekend, they made $124 million from a Tom Cruise movie this past weekend. Okay. I think it was Top Gun, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I, I don't pay attention to a lot of media stuff. I mean, I pay attention to the market, but not entertainment media as much. Okay. So he made $124 million. And, and according to a lot of reviews, it's actually pretty, it's a pretty good movie. And this isn't a plug for it because, like I said, I haven't seen it. But from what I'm hearing and reading, it was a good movie because the content was good. If the content is good, people are going to buy into the streaming service. And that's going to be the make or break for a lot of these companies is can they provide the content? Can they get the talent, not only on the actor side, but from the media side of things as well, they're going to be able to help grow these companies. If you don't have the talent and you don't have the content, people are not going to subscribe to your channel. Last thing, trying something new. The majority with staying with the course is not is not an exciting new opportunity for investors who have soured on the streaming wars. Quote, the days of getting a tech multiple on these companies are probably over, said Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Wrangley Capital. Those funds also owns Warner Brothers Discovery. But maybe you don't need a tech multiple to do well at these prices. That's what we're all trying to figure out right now. Streaming is pretty much dead. These, these people in Wall Street are trying to make it sound like these companies are going to bounce back. I do believe Disney will do well in streaming, mostly because Disney is more than just a streaming service. It also has their parks and ESPN Plus. And I mean, they have other things in their portfolio. Netflix is purely entertainment. Warner Brothers Discovery might do okay. I mean, even though they're mostly a content creator as well. But I just don't see how Netflix is going to survive. You're going to need entertainment in order to survive. And if you don't have the entertainment, you just won't. Now, this ties in with Apple now. Apple iPhone manufacturer says China lockdowns aren't hurting supply chain as much as feared, okay? Now, this is interesting, okay? It says here, Foxconn, a major assembler of Apple iPhone, said the impact on China's COVID lockdown on its operations wasn't as bad as expected, Nikola Asia reported a Tuesday. In late March, China ordered a series of lockdowns in, a major, in major cities after it saw a surge in coronavirus cases. Not long after Foxconn said it would pause its operations in Shenzhen, I don't even know if that's pronounced correct, um, a Chinese manufacturing hub where the company producers produces some iPhones, iPods, and Macs. Apple spooked investors last month when it warned that the fiscal third quarter sales could hurt as much as $8 billion as a result of several challenges, including supply chain constraints. Quote, COVID is difficult to predict, Apple CEO Tim Cook said on a conference call with analysis after a company reported its fiscal second quarter results. Foxconn chairman Lee Youngwei said that the company had seen a more limited impact from the, from the lockdowns than anticipated and it raised its outlook for the current quarter and the full year as a result. Nikki said key manufacturing facilities have been operating at normal levels and product, product development is ongoing, the company said. Okay. It's still going to be, I mean, like we just talked about the streaming wars. Apple's another business that will probably do well because Apple is not 100% in streaming. They make a lot of their money off iPhones, iMacs, all that stuff as well. But it's also interesting to see that Foxcom is claiming that 
they are doing well in the manufacturing side of things. I mean, it does mention in the article that there are some things that are hard to get, like COVID-19 lockdowns or chip shortage that could prevent Apple's supply chain issues. But they say for the most part, it's it's doing pretty well. So my question is, why didn't Tim Cook say this to Wall Street? Why is it that Foxconn is saying it? Could it be that Foxconn is trying to get ready for their next earnings report? I don't know. That That's just a question I just literally thought about on the spot. I wish I had thought about it a little bit earlier. Maybe Foxconn is reporting numbers soon. And they want to be able to look like that they can still handle supply chain issues. It's really hard to tell. I mean, like I said, it's interesting that Apple didn't announce this. That Foxconn did. Okay. Now, granted, maybe Tim Cook is trying to be more conservative on his on his uh, is reporting to Wall Street because Wall Street might take things and be like, "Oh, this could be worth more." And then if he under delivers, over promises, under delivers, the stock could potentially get hammered. Maybe that's what Tim Cook's trying to prevent. But it's it like I said, why is Foxconn saying things are okay? I mean, there are a major assembler for Apple iPhones, but why does Foxconn? I think Foxconn's about ready to report earnings. Maybe that's why they're saying it, just so they can look better ahead of earnings, be like, yo, we, we're we good. And so therefore, Apple later on, when they report earnings next quarter, will be a surprise. Or maybe Tim Cook purposely said that it would be a supply chain issue last quarter, just so that when they report decent numbers, their stock will pop up a little bit. Who knows? Under-promise, pro- under over-deliver, I guess, is what Wall Street's trying to do currently right now. Speaking of over-promising, under-delivering, or vice versa, some of you are probably wondering what was in the recent bill. Oh, you don't know? The bill that Joe Biden and and Congress recently passed to send $40 billion to Ukraine? Well, you wouldn't have known as much because it wasn't talked about in the news. CNBC reported it a little bit, but not by much. Okay. In fact, the first 700 million of military aid package for Ukraine was sent out recently. And we want to know what's on this package deal that was sent to Ukraine. Okay. The U.S. is sending advanced rocket launch systems and 1,000 Javelin missiles as part of the Biden administration's latest effort to arm the Ukrainian soldiers fighting off Russia's invasion, the Pentagon said on Wednesday. The new, the new round of military assistance for Ukraine totals 700 million the administration said it's the 11th aid package that the U.S. has sent to Ukraine from the first to come from the 40 billion that Congress allocated to Kiev last month. Here's the list what of what's included in the latest batch of security assistance, according to the Pentagon. They are sending over to Ukraine the following: four high mobility artillery rocket system known as HIMARS and ammunition, five counter artillery raiders, two air surveillance raiders. 1,000 javelins and 50 command launch units, 6,000 anti-armor weapons, 15,000 rounds of 155 millimeter artillery, four MI-17 helicopters, 15 tactical vehicles, and spare parts and equipment. And equipment. Okay. With the new aid, the Biden administration has sent about 4.6 billion to Ukraine since Russia invaded in late February, according to the Pentagon spokesperson Todd. Uh, I don't even know how to say that last time, so I'm not going to bother. More than $7.3 billion in U.S. security assistance has gone to Ukraine since 2014 when Russia annexed the Crimea Peninsula. Okay. 
President Joe Biden sketched a rough outline of his latest aid package in an essay published Tuesday in the New York Times. Quote, I've decided we'll provide Ukraine with more advanced rocket systems and, uh, and munitions and will enable them to more precisely strike key targets on the battlefield in Ukraine, Biden wrote. And that the U.S. will also continue to send Stinger air, anti-aircraft missiles, powerful artillery and precision rocket system, radars, unmanned armed vehicles, MI-17 helicopters and ammunition. Biden also wrote that the U.S. does not want Ukraine to fire those rockets into Russia. Okay, I'm sorry, Joe Biden, but once you send a country military aid, they're going to do what they want to do with it. And this could potentially escalate into them firing into Russia. Not saying they will, but there's always a chance. Once you lose control of the military package you send over, they are going to decide what they want to do with it. I also find it interesting. We've sent at least $7.3 billion since 2014, and now we're going to be sending another $40 billion. That's almost $50 billion we've sent to Ukraine since 2014. Here's my question right now. If Crimea, Crimea was, in, was annexed in 2014, and we sent $7.3 billion, okay? Where did that money go? In all honesty, where did it go? Did Ukraine really get ready for a potential more invasion for Russia? Or did they just think, oh, Russia is not going to invade anymore? Why do we send so much money over to these countries when we don't even know where the money's going? I mean, we just now we send $40 billion of all these weapons to them. Seems a little unfair. I mean, who's really benefiting from this at the end? It's probably the Lockheeds and the Boeings. They're going to make all the money from this. Government contracts, obviously, are going to make all the all the money in Wall Street currently right now. But not everyone else. Seems a little unfair. And it's also making the war last longer, which will make oil prices stay above the levels that they're currently at right now. Just seems weird. Sending all this money to Ukraine. Don't even know where the first $7.3 billion went to. Now, granted, this podcast just barely got started, so we didn't know in 2014 about this. But it's still like, what's going on? Okay. It's insane. Speaking of insane things in the marketplace, despite high profile staff cuts, the job market remains burning hot for workers. Despite the recent headlines of high profile staff cuts and a looming recession, the job market continues to be burning hot for workers, calling their own shots, said Julian Pollock, chief economicist at the job search site at ZipRecruiter. The labor market posted 11.4 million job openings in April, according to the Labor Department latest job openings for the labor turnover summary, almost twice as many as the number of the unemployed job seekers. And the great resignation is as strong as ever at the one-year mark, with 4.4 million people voluntarily quitting their jobs within the month. Layoffs, mean, meanwhile, reached a record low at 1.2 million in April, whereas before the pandemic, employers let go of roughly 2 million workers each month. Another way to show how employers are leveraging the market in early 2020, roughly 40% of all separations were initiated by the employer. Now that the number of now that number sits at 20% and quitters are moving on to new jobs with better pay, perks and working conditions. Overall Pollack tells CNBC make it the job market remains remarkably resilient even as layoffs, inflation and recession concerns make their rounds. Quote, the labor market is enormous and you can always find exceptions to the rule, Pollock says, but the rule is always in the tightest labor markets on record. Here's what I don't get. We reported on this podcast either a week or two ago. It's hard to remember because we talk about a lot of things on this podcast, but I do remember this. I do remember Microsoft CEO said that they wanted to be more strategic with their hirings going forward. 
And their reasoning being was it's going to be hard to pay these people potentially. And also because of inflation. Okay. Even Jamie Dimon, the CEO of Chase, is saying the following about the job market currently right now and of what's happening in the economy. Okay. From CNBC reporting, Jamie Dimon says, brace yourself for an economic hurricane caused by the Fed and Ukraine war. Okay. In the article, it says, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon says he is preparing for the biggest U.S. bank for an economic hurricane on the horizon and advised investors to do the same. Quote, you know, I said there's a storm clouds, but I'm going to change it. It's a hurricane, Dimon said Wednesday at a financial conference in New York. While the conditions seem fine at the moment, nobody knows if the hurricane is a minor one or a super storm Sandy, he added. You better brace yourself, Dimon told the room full of analysis and investors. JP Morgan is bracing ourselves and we're going to be very conservative with our balance sheet. Beginning last year with high flying names, stocks have been hammered as investors prepare for the end of the Federal Reserve's cheap money error. Okay. It goes on later on in the article to talk about how companies like Apple and like Apple's trying to pay more to his employees currently right now. And how companies like Microsoft are trying to prepare for this stuff. Microsoft, the same Microsoft that we just talked about. Okay. Says here, beginning late last year with high-flying tech names, stocks have been hammered as investors prepare for the end of the Federal Reserve's cheap money era. Inflation at multi-decade highs, exacerbated by supply chain disruptions and the coronavirus pandemic, has shown fears that the Fed will inadvertently tip the economy into a recession as it combats price increases. While stocks bounce from a perpetuous decline in recent weeks on optimism that inflation may be easing, Diamond seemed to dash hopes when the bottom is in. Okay. And we're not going to repeat his quote because he's pretty much saying the same thing, that there's a storm coming. Okay. It's hard to tell where things are going currently right now. Okay. Jamie Diamond is probably one of the smartest CEOs and and I, and I don't I give this title to very few CEOs, but Jamie Dimon is probably one of the smartest CEOs currently right now, okay, by far. And when Jamie Dimon usually speaks, I try to listen to him a little bit. I mean, he doesn't know everything. I mean, he flipped on certain positions. Like for instance, we'll just talk about like how he said one day Bitcoin was bad, and then I guess his daughter got invested in Bitcoin and he looked into it because of his daughter, and then apparently Bitcoin became this great asset to invest in. Okay. He has his moments of greatness and has his moments of downfalls. Okay. But it, it's, he, it's hard to determine where things are going because it says here last week during investors conference for his banks, Diamond referred to his economic concerns as storm clouds that could dis- dissipate presentations from Diamond and his deputies all at the day meeting have blowstered JP Morgan shares by giving greater detail on investments and updated figures on interest revenue. But his concerns seem to have deepened since then. During the response to the 2008 crisis, central banks, commercial banks, and foreign exchange trade firms were all the three major buyers of U.S. Treasury, Diamond said Wednesday. The players won't have the capacity or desire to soak up as many U.S. bonds this time, he warned. Quote, that's a huge change in the flow of funds around the world, Diamond said. I don't know what the effect of of that is, but I'm prepared for a minimum huge volatility. One step the bank could take to grid itself from... Coming hurricane is to push clients to move a type of lower quality deposit called non-operating deposits into other places such as money market funds, for example. 
That would help the bank manage its capital requirements under international rules, potentially helping it absorb a surge in bad loans. Why are there bad loans? And the other thing too is it's, I think it's this month, the banks have to do their stress tests. Okay. I don't know what to believe in this market currently right now. Okay. I don't think the job market is as hot as people keep claiming it to be. I mean, companies like now JP Morgan Chase, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, being a little hesitant to hire more people. Some of them are actually trying to pay their current talent a little bit more so they don't lose it. But at the same time, it's hard to believe, okay? Jamie Dimon might be right here. And the only reason I say he might be right is he he sees things. Not everything, but he, he might be seeing things. And maybe Jamie Dimon's completely wrong and we can add it to the list on things he was wrong with one day. But he he said if he if he believes this is going to be a problem, we might want to listen to him because he's one of the smartest CEOs out there. Okay. He he's done he's helped JP Morgan Chase a lot these last few years. And JP Morgan Chase will probably survive this storm if there is a storm coming. But at the same time, it's really hard to tell where things are going currently right now. We we should probably listen to Jamie Dimon. He, he might be right. He might be wrong at the end of the day, but it's always good to be paying attention to what's going on. And he, and he would know he, he, he probably sees things through a banking perspective, a lending perspective, and maybe the storm comes and maybe it's just the light rain, or maybe we're already in the storm and we don't even realize it right now. Who knows? But it's still things to look out for. I mean, I don't believe the job market is as hot. Like I just said earlier, and and now that Jamie Dimon is trying to be more conservative with his balance sheet, there could be a they could be doing the same thing at J.P. Morgan Chase, trying not to hire as many people. Things we need to look out for, people. So continue to keep an eye on the market, guys. Who knows where things are going? So, with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I ask, as always, that if you have liked and enjoyed this podcast, that you please like and follow this podcast and share it with friends or family. As every like, follow, share. We'll be able to help grow this podcast even more so that we can keep talking about what's happening in the market. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.